The Yankees are on the rise. The Mets are on the fall. The Islanders are looking like they could win it all. If you want to find out, listen right now. It's Downtown Sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. This is a two-hitter, ladies and gentlemen, and this is also a very special week for Downtown Sports. John, we got a lot of administrative work to do before we get into this two-hitter, so let's get that all out of the way. Let's tell everybody what's going on with this week of Downtown Sports, because I know you guys didn't hear any rants from us, right? Yes. There's a reason for that. Beast let them know what's going on we will have a very special guest joining us on thursday as we dive into the beginnings of the nba playoffs which have just officially kicked off yesterday and this is going to be a very very interesting journey for several teams on the eastern and western conference in a very different time during covid19 nba is in its bubble and we will find out who will become the 2020 nba champion so but we will discuss more on that a little bit later. Well, we will. But let's just let the certain cat out of the bag. We're having two episodes this week. Yes. Two full episodes. That's why you guys didn't hear us rant. But Thursday, we are recording a very special NBA episode. An NBA two-hitter specifically for the NBA where we're going to get into everything NBA playoffs. But for right now, John, take it away, Beast. So we have from Chris, our statistician, our MLB top 10, top 10 teams in the game currently at 20 games into the season. Wait, we have a top 10 list now? Yeah, we do. Got to thank our statistician for providing this info for us. Uh, Went out of his way to do it, and I really thank him for it. There you go. All right. Okay, so, all right. So I haven't seen this list. I don't know what this list is. Um... Just read it off, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it instead of going through it point by point. Let's just read it off, and then we'll talk about it. I'm going to see if I like it, dislike it, whatever. Let's we'll go. Start, we'll start from number one. First, the Dodgers. Number two, the New York Yankees. Yeah. Number three, the Oakland A's. Wait, stop. So stop with that. Stop with that. He put the Dodgers with the Yankees already. Yeah, number one, he put the Dodgers. Number and two, the Cubs the still have the best record in the NL. Yeah, the Cubs keep going. Number three. <laughs> Number three, the Oakland A's. Number what? four, the Rays. Number five, the Braves. Number six, the Cubs. Number seven, the Twins. Number eight, the Rockies. Number nine, the Indians. And number 10, the Astros. I told him to stop drinking that tea he found on Mott Street in Manhattan, okay? I really told him to stop doing that. Really? Because who has the best record in major leagues right now? Cubbies. And... Um, who has the second best record in the major leagues right now? You got the Yankees and the Oakland A's are kind of right up there, tied for second. Both are 16 and 6. I'm just going to let you know that this is an example of fandom over sense because Chris, our statistician, is an L.A. Dodgers fan. So he put the L.A. Dodgers at one. So what we're going to do – is we're going to make an edit to this list, okay? Number six and number one are going to be replaced, okay? Because the Cubs are number one. Hmm. Dodgers are not. Dodgers not better than Oakland or Yankees. 
Mm, I don't know, John. I think this is a very uh, debatable choice. I think the, uh, you know, there's a good reason why the, I think in Chris's world, the Dodgers are one. I think it makes sense. The, yes, it makes sense it in has his own head with his own fandom, but. It's not just fandom. I, I think, you know, hey, Shane over there being a Los Angeles, Los Angeles boy, I think we'll agree, you know, Dodgers have been, uh, the Dodgers have been one of the best teams in baseball over the last five, six years. Clayton Kershaw. You know what, Shane? Defend your team real quick. Get, get off the mute. Defend your team real quick. Defend why they should be number one on any power ranking in any MLB list right here, right now. Just defend that for a couple seconds. I would just say the depth of the team right off the bat. You just Someone falls, someone's there to pick up the pieces. I mean, okay, so the Yankees have actually proven that they have depth. The Dodgers just have, quote-unquote, depth on paper. They have I'll depth see, just John. about everyone look. I mean, there's not, there's not too many. And now that we're playing with a DH in the National League, I think the Dodgers are more dangerous than ever now than they were in the old National League where the pitchers have to hit. No, I, I would definitely agree with that. You can't take that away. Look, I'm not saying that the Dodgers aren't a top-five team. But since he literally put the Cubs at sixth when they've been playing, I think, if I were to put them in a power ranking third, first off, the Yankees are just unstoppable. They're beating every, every, anybody and everybody that comes across their path. This the team thing, is going to win over 40 games. The one concern with the Yankees, and I think this is why Chris didn't put them at one, their pitching staff is still a little suspect. I know, I know they got Cole. I know they have Tanaka. Maybe Montgomery's starting to develop into that number three starter. But I think Chapman's back. Chapman is back. That's true. That, here's the thing. Want to know what Chapman's back means? Chapman's back means you could literally go to the bullpen in inning five. Yeah. Without I mean, the, a problem. So yeah. the way everybody's still on the Yankees starting pitching is suspect. The Yankees starting pitching is suspect. When is everybody going to realize that the Yankees didn't build this team based upon starting pitching? They have one or two ace-type quality starters, and the rest of the time they're throwing together, you know, guys off the scrap heap because they believe in taking care of the back end of a baseball game. Cashman has built this team to be offensive, to get a lead, and hold a lead. That's what the team's built for. You need pitchers in the back end to hold leads in order for the Yankees to operate properly. That's why this whole the Yankees starting pitching is suspect means a lot less when it comes to them. But I'm, I'm not a Yankees fan, by the way. But I am very curious to see how the Yankees hit, how the Yankees offense will do when they do face good pitching down the road. And in fact, we're going to get a taste of that tonight as they begin a series with the Rays. Okay, so you, right the guys who four. strike out, like Stanton and Judge, aren't playing, right? Yeah, they're not in the lineup. That's very true. Don't That's worry. You'll just run through the Rays like you ran through everybody else when those no, guys the Rays are not here. The Rays are the one team, if I'm the Yankees, that I would be a little scared of. They don't. Yes, they don't have to hit for power like other teams do. Yeah, they don't have the all-star hitters like the Yanks do. 
They also don't have the bullpen the Yanks do. They also don't even have the quality starting pitching the Yanks do. But the Rays have pitching. That's a big advantage to be to be for the Rays. They have pitching. Yeah, from number three on, from spot number three in the rotation on one and two, I give that to the Yankees all day. Of course, but when you go, but you've seen what happens when teams like the Yankees have to go to Tampa to play the Rays at the Trop. The Trop is a place nobody wants to play. You never can win in the Trop. It's so dangerous. The AstroTurf, the catwalks. Just the whole mantra of playing in that stadium and knowing that the Rays have that ability with bullpenning a game. And they have some power in that lineup. Do not laugh at it. They have Meadows in that lineup. Dangerous. Adamas is dangerous. You have Allen in that lineup. All hit. It's there is no excuse this season. This is no longer the Yankees of 2017 that were brand new to the scene that just, you know got on board with making the playoffs. This team is a this team is now a team of veterans when it comes to grinds, long seasons, division titles and playoff appearances. A team like the Rays should not be a problem for them right now. Well, they really should not be. Well, let's see if the Yankees can bounce back after losing 3 out of 4 to them at the Trop just this past week. So that will be very interesting. I'd like to see how they bounce back from that series. I think having Chapman back is going to make the bullpen stronger. It's going to give the Yankees another inning of bullpen. Bullpen over starter is how the Yankees win games. And I'm very curious how, once we get into the playoffs, how the Yankees will do against the rest of the major league lineup. I would like to see how they will handle the new twins of the AL Central. I'd like to see how they'll handle the Indians. And, of course, I would hope – that the Yankees get a rematch with Houston. Well, the one thing I will say is the fact that the Houston Astros are 10. 10? Little ridiculous. You think that's ridiculous that they're 10? Slightly. Why? This should be around 7. This shouldn't be 10. Mm. So the twins because, should be 7. The, they shouldn't, the twins shouldn't be 7 in your book. The twins should be higher in my book. Mm. Well, the number three team are the Oakland A's. I would actually stick with that. I actually agree with that. The A's can hit in that lineup. I I agree with that. Although I'd say you could put the Dodgers at number – I'd say you'd put the Dodgers at number three or number two, maybe. But they're not the best team. Mm. Team in the Bronx is. So probably you could see – all right, so maybe you could see the Rays get knocked off the fourth spot. Maybe they get bumped down a little bit. I think so. Okay. Okay. Because um, here's the thing. If you're going to – you can't rate the Rays. I, I don't even see the Rays as top five right now. They're playing well. They always play well. Here's the thing with them. They crumble at the end of seasons, and they don't get the job done. At the end of the day, they don't finish the job. They may knock the Yankees back. They may prevent them from winning a championship, but they're not seeing the – the Rays aren't seeing the Yankees in the playoffs. They're just hampering playoff position at the end of the day. So this big, gigantic fear of the Tampa Bay Rays, to me, is almost unfounded. But the difference is in a 60-game season, losing three games, that is losing a fifth of your season. Exactly. And that's that's the scary thing. That's the thing you need to be yeah, frightened of. The Yankees have to avoid at all costs if they're going to play the Rays in the playoffs. And I'm sure that matchup could happen. Stay away from that series being in Tampa. If that's in Tampa, the Yankees are in big trouble. You cannot win. It's the Yankees have had nightmares 
over the years playing in Tropicana Field. I can tell Agreed. you from, from my standpoint. Agreed. But the difference is they got a hit. This is a team that should not be affected by these ghosts anymore. They've been around long enough. Judge and Sanchez aren't babies anymore. Yep. I mean, this is – look, this – remember when the Mets had Harvey, had Wheeler, had Mats, had Syndergaard, everybody. We were supposed to go win all these games, and uh, we made one World Series appearance, and now the only one left from that group is DeGrom. Because Mats is going to be finished. Syndergaard is probably not going to be a Met going on much longer. You're so Yankee fans, just look back a few years and see where you're at. This is the time. The, this year and next year are the times that the Yankees need to be taking world titles. And if they don't, that window's going to shut real, real quick. Yep. Now, we've shown the American League some love. Let's look at the National League a little bit. I don't we- want to look at that. You have the Braves at five. You have the Cubs. No, don't say that. Don't say that team. I don't want to hear that team. No, no. Actually, doesn't exist right now. I mean. The bur, oh, the the burp, the burp, the burp. I will not even say it. The team out down south. Okay, the team down south. I hate the Braves. The Cubbies at six, and then the Rockies at eight. I love how the Cubbies are six, even though they're playing. I think the Cubs should be five. I think the Cubs should be in the number five spot, not the, uh, not Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's playing below their station, technically, but, you know. Well, it didn't help them losing Mike Soroka. Losing Mike Soroka for the year killed that team. Nope. Yep. It killed him. Soroka's the ace of that staff, and you lose Soroka for the year, and now you have to – you're noticing Atlanta's had to really kind of patch it together a little bit with back-end guys in a starting role like Newcomb. You see, it's Sean you Newcomb. Know the funny thing. Soroka, no. You look at it from a New York Mets perspective, you know the funny thing? If the Mets can get their act at least halfway together, they might still be able to have a shot at the playoffs here. Oh, they've been beating the Marlins of late, and actually the Mets are kind of, uh, thanks to that little, to, that, to this dominant series they had with, with the Marlins so far, they're kind of slowly creeping their way back up. Pete Alonso seems to have woken up a little bit. Finally. Robinson Cano is raking. Cano's finally woken up a little Cano, bit. Cano, this entire season, a little bit. Cano's been... Cano's came as what he was supposed to be last year. We're seeing Robinson Cano. I mean, this is the Cano that we prayed for last season. We finally got him. He's hitting the ball. He's tearing the cover off the baseball. How many home runs did he hit last week? Right now, Cano stands at about five home, six home runs right now. Roughly. And most of, and I think he got like what two of them yesterday. He did the two home runs. Alonzo hit his uh, seventh or sixth yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, the Mets right now are 10 and 14. That's where the Mets stand currently. Would you like to take a, take a wild guess who's in dead last in the National League East? I would say us, the good old Mets. No. No. The Nationals are dead last. They're 8 and 12. <laughs> well, the Nationals, got, the Nationals missed some games, so. The defending champions are dead last with Scherzer. They got back Strasburg. Uh, Juan Soto, you know, big powerhouse Nats, you know, defending champs. Yeah, they lost Rendon and they lost the rest. Of the, they lost the rest of their chance to win, and then Zimmerman opted out. Well, you know. So there goes your lineup. <laughs> well, but right now, yes, the Mets still sit three games out of first place, right behind Atlanta, who leads the East right now. Exactly. So, as scary as this is, the Mets can still get themselves back in. And with one minute left, I just want to say one 
last thing. If the ownership news that I'm hearing, and I'm going to talk about this in a rant coming up this week, so we're going to have a lot of stuff this week on Downtown Sports. A lot of stuff. So if what I'm hearing is true, A-Rod, J-Lo are going to be contributing about $300 million of the pot to buy the Mets. They're putting $300 million of it in. They will be the highest controlling share if they take it. This isn't going to be a Derek Jeter type deal. They're going all in. Literally, A-Rod's Yankee money. We're talking about A-Rod's Yankee money is going to go into buying the New York Mets. I'm very curious, though, if the Wilpons aren't going to weasel their way back into this and go, oh, hang on, A-Rod, no, no, the the Wilpons want uh, uh, this percentage of the team. If you're going to buy this percent, oh, the Wilpons are going to want a couple percentage of the team. And Like I said, and I've been saying it the whole time, I will not believe that the Mets are no longer owned by the Wilpons until I see the press conference and I see the camera zoom in on the signature that Fred Wilpon signs. I need to see the literal like 79 year old man's left-handed script. And I know what left-handed script looks like. I'm left-handed. I need to see it on the paper because if I don't, it's not real. It's just not. How many times have we heard the Wilpons have been looking to sell over the past, like what? Since Bernie Madoff did what he did. Yeah, he made off with how much money on that metal organization? How much money did he make off with? And the Wilpons supposedly have never recovered ever since. We were in the middle of the Omar Minaya era. And just like in the middle of the Omar Minaya era, the time of this two-hitter segment has cut off prematurely. I can't finish my point. Just like the Omar Minaya Mets, couldn't finish their run at a world title because the Wilpons handcuffed them because Bernie Madoff stole all their money. Want to know what else we're going to talk about? We got a lot coming up right after this. And we're back on Downtown Sports. I in the mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. And before we get to the second half of this two-hitter, A little more administrative work. John, where can they hear us? We are on 10 different platforms. We are on Anchor. We're on Breaker. We're on Spotify. We're on Pocket Casts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, and on Bullhorn. So we are on 10 different platforms every Tuesday, Wednesday. And... It's a very uh, interesting journey now that we're partaking in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's kind of funny how we had the kiss of death literally on just last week. We discussed the Islanders. Kenny Albert, for those who don't know the nickname, by the way. Kiss of death, Kenny Albert. Yep. We discussed the Islanders. And now here we are. Islanders going for a sweep tonight. Up 3-0 on the Capitals, who... Literally won the cup two years ago, and literally Barry Trotz won the cup with them two years ago. And now and Barry Trotz has the chance to eliminate the very team that he won the cup with now at the Islanders. And, you know, Kenny Albert said 
that this was going to be a very competitive, interesting, great series. Boy, was he wrong. Um, I mean, but it was competitive and it's great. If you, it's great if you're an Islander fan. If you're a Capitals fan, you're having a coronary episode every game because you're wondering why your team can't score. You're wondering why Ovechkin all of a sudden looks his age on the ice. You're well, wondering why those pucks just aren't getting through. You're wondering why. I'll tell you why. Because Trotz has the team playing defense. That's why. That's how. That's the type of coach Barry Trotz is. He is a defensive type of coach. This, he did this exact system when he was with Nashville in the beginning of their for the first half of his career coaching. It was with the Predators that he really established that type of defensive style of hockey. Now he brought it over. He brought it over to the Capitals, and then he brought it over to the Islanders. And you've really seen how the Islanders as a team have bought into this type of play. And you've seen how well it worked. They held the Capitals in game three, and I was watching the last half of that game. They held the Capitals to 20 shots on goal for the whole game. You were seeing the Islanders clogging up passing lanes, clogging the net. Barlamov had to make a few big saves here and there, and then Matthew Barzell won the game in overtime following Barlamov making two big saves. Defense, especially in hockey, is so important. And here's the thing. You stay between the puck and the net. That's the entire key to defense in hockey. How do you get a steal? Clog a passing lane. You stick check. You grab the puck when somebody's trying to pass it. When somebody shoots, how do you make sure it gets doesn't get close to the goalie? You skate in front of it. That's what the Islanders are doing. You see a lot of that on the ice. You see a lot of that. If you watch game highlights, big saves. Verlamov is making big saves. But notice how there's two or three Islanders in front of him while he's making a big save. That makes it a lot easier. You feel a lot more confident as a goalie when you got two other jerseys in front of you that are your color waiting to help you intercept the shot. That Every gives you one. all the confidence in the world. And that's the difference, by the way, between the way the Islanders have approached this bubble season and how the Rangers approached this bubble season. You didn't see that type of defense out of Dan Quinn. You didn't see anybody get in front of Lundqvist. Lundqvist had to be Superman blocked 30-some-odd shots a game. Shesterkin, the same thing. There's the difference. Great goaltending. Verlamov is looking really good, looking like he's going to get a contract with the Islanders if he keeps this up. Want to know why he's only facing 20 shots on goal? It's easy to stop. It's easy to, it's easy to only give up two goals when you're only facing 20 shots in 60 minutes. Several Islanders have just had a great first round of these playoffs. Uh, just starting, as I said, from Barzell, Bavillier. He's not gotten off to the start he wants, but if Bovillier gets going, the Islanders are going to be dangerous. Broussard, veteran in the playoffs. Casey Sezikis, veteran here. He's done a great job. This whole Islanders team, everyone knows their role. And everyone knows how to play their game here. You know, and that's why the Islanders are going to be so dangerous. Adam Gretz, NBC Sports, just put this up uh, about 10.15 this morning, okay? Um, that it's not so surprising that the Islanders are doing well in the playoffs. That's not what's necessarily surprising him. You want to know what's surprising him? It's the way that they're getting there, how they're systematically shutting down the Capitals. It's a 180 from the style they saw on the stretch run. On the stretch run of this season, the Islanders were offense-driven. They were going at teams. They were scoring goals. Um, literally, they started the season off on a 15-0 run. 
this team is very streaky. They are tied to emotions. Think about it. They went on a 15 or one to start the season. Then they literally had a 19, 28 record over the next 47 games. Remember the stretch to finish the season before, uh, before the COVID break, they were barely two, about five hundred. They were like five games over. Two seven and four to end the streak to end the season. Now they go into the qualifying round. They take the Panthers out like that, obviously. Then they're going into the playoffs and they're just playing full on shutdown hockey. Trotz has them believing again. So now the question is, if you're an Islanders fan, and there's a lot of, there's still a long way to go here, but the Islanders look like a dangerous team. How deep can the Islanders go? We have a lot of uh, tough teams out there that they're going to see for the rest of these Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I wonder how much time we have left on the clock because depending on how much time we have left, I can give you that answer. I'm sure we'll have enough. There we go. All right, eight minutes. Islanders are going to win the Cup if they sweep the Caps. You're that sure of it. You're that sure. Because the Capitals were my pick to win the Cup, I kind of thought it was going to go to Washington. I kind of thought they had enough defense and goaltending, and I thought that Ovechkin, at this point in his career, is a little better than Crosby is right now. Penguins out. Um, Ovechkin was the best player in the East on the ice. Maple Leafs got eliminated as well. Yeah, there's a lot of there's still a lot of tough teams out there. This is not this is not a gimme. I don't care how you slice it. The Islanders I'm not saying it's a one. gimme. I'm saying the Islanders are playing a style of hockey that will defeat any team that plays a style of hockey other than their own. I would like to see how that works. Now, the, the Lightning are going to be a team the Islanders could see down the road, possibly going to win their series. You have the Bruins. That's even the team Tuka I don't want to see. Even though Tuka Rask did leave, he did opt out, so now Halak is behind the net for them. Look at the system that the Bruins play. Look at the system that Trotz's Islanders play. Look at the similarities between the two. Bodies in front of the net, people in front of the goal. And by the way, Halak is not that much of a drop-off from Tukarask. Not at all. Also, Halak knows how the Islanders could attack him. Because I know Trotz took over, but it's still a lot of the same players. He still knows what their likes and dislikes are when they're shooting. He has trained. Halak was an Islander once. Halak was an Islander. He was an Islander. Remember, the Islanders have taken goalies out of nowhere. Halak was one of them. Halak was the first that Garth Snow pulled off the scrap heap and made into a goalie that actually could have a legitimate NHL career after they, he was on the Islanders. The next one was Leonard, and now he's really blossomed with the Knights. And then you look at, of course, now with Varlamov. Wasn't it, I, I think it was not long ago. He was a prodigy for the Capitals to be their goaltender of the future. And look where that went. Then he got into trouble. He got into some kind of a domestic violence a few years ago. Trotz believed in him. And Trotz that was the thing. Hands. And now here's Varlamov playing, turning back the clock, if you will. And so- now, and then, and now with the new Islanders goaltender, the new uh, young kid, the new uh, guy from the scrap heap, the diamond in the rough, the new diamond in the rough goaltender for the Long Island, New York Islanders. They got a chance to sweep the Capitals, and if they do, that's a statement. If they don't, to me, that you need to see if the Islanders have that killer instinct. So for me, game four is a must win. I think they have to put away the Capitals right here, right now. When you have a team down that bad, when 
Ovechkin can't score to save his life. They can't get through the Islander defense. For a Capitals team to have only 20 shots on goal in game three is just a testament to how well coached these Islanders are and also how well Barzell pressures the opposing defense as well. The rest of the league is going to, I'm sure, take note. The, uh, the Flyers are another team the Islanders will see. Right now, they're currently up 2 nothing in the third period against the Canadians, so they're looking to go up three games to one with a chance to eliminate Montreal. The you Lightning, know, I, but even if Montreal gets eliminated, great job to the Canadians for what they did. Being a 12th seed and getting in, that, uh, that just proved that the 2014 tournament idea was the only idea you could have came up with for the I NHL. The same thing on the West with the Blackhawks. They came out of the 12th spot, and they got to the 8th seed, and they played the Golden Knights. They're down three games to one. They did save off getting swept the other night, but they're still down 3-1. Hopefully they can keep things alive. The Blues Wait a minute. Right- so hold on. Kenny called the game that they actually won, and they didn't lose. Well, Kenny's calling all the games on the West Coast for the uh, – he's calling Yeah, all the- but didn't he call that Blackhawks game where the Blackhawks won? I believe he did. He was calling a triple so it So the whole kiss of death moniker. I thought that was Philadelphia. He had that curse. I thought, I thought was- it was the Blackhawks, no? I think it was Philly. I think it was Philly. Look up your stuff now before you say it. I'm pretty sure I'm right. It's, Ch- it's Chicago teams. It was Chicago. Okay. And you made me doubt myself. This is the second time I've known something about the NHL that you didn't know, Beast. <laughs> I thought it was Philly. He said Philly. I think he said Philly. So won. what do we call him now then? Because the kiss of death moniker is gone. <laughs> well. Chicago uh, won a playoff game while he called it. Okay, one game. It's great. He asked, how about if they, if they come all the way back and win the series, then the kiss of death moniker goes. Then, do we, call him the, then do we call him the kiss of life? Kiss of life? Maybe kiss the of... The kiss of victory? I don't know. Maybe the Bears got to win a playoff game first. Well... Yeah, true. So, yeah. So, Vegas, Chicago, ten, uh, that will be tonight. The Canucks and the Blues tied at two apiece. The Blues were down 2-0. They've come back to rally the defending champions. The defending champions, but the Canucks are another team that uh, – it's such a shame that that series is happening now when that is a conference uh, semifinal or conference final quality series, the Blues and the Canucks. That is just – that's a series to watch. Colorado is up three games to one on the Coyotes. They blew them away last night 7-1. And then you have Dallas and Calgary. They're even at two apiece going into game five, which is going to be a very interesting uh, – that's going to be also a very interesting series. The West looks really, really very, very interesting. Who could come out of that Western Conference? Edmonton is stacked. Let me tell you something. Edmonton is stacked, but so is Toronto. This is probably one of the most competitive NHL playoffs in terms of how wide open it is would have in guessed. a long time. Who would have guessed having these play-in games and the round robins? Who knew what kind of impact it was going to have? Gary Bettman had a pretty good idea, and it's working. So if we're going to grade the NHL, A++, I don't think there's a grade that exists. You know what the grade is? Kenny gave it. That was Kenny's grade. Yeah, no, here's the, here's the grade that I give it. Thank you for not screwing it up, for doing it right and not screwing it up. Because honestly, honestly, there are so many ways that they could have went wrong. We've seen all the leagues do everything that they could possibly do right and possibly do wrong. The NHL was the one league that thought about it, came up with a four-step restart plan, 
stayed on it, stayed true to it, and got through so far, God willing, the virus allows, with no problems at all. And with that, that wraps up this two-hitter, but I got some administrative work to do. We told you in the first segment on Thursday, we have an NBA special episode. And you know who's going to be joining us on that two-hitter? The one, the only, the Birdman, Ian Eagle. So you're going to want to listen to that. We are going to talk Nets Raptors with the man, and we are going to find out what Bubble USA life is like. Next time on Downtown Sports, John... Where can they hear us? Remind them one more time. We are on 10 different platforms. We're on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on Breaker. We're on Radio Public. We're on Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. We're on 10 different platforms. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, we have rants, live episodes every single week. We are downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. I want to thank Shane Sullivan behind the glass. You heard him on the mic today, too, a little bit. I want to thank Chris Large, especially for giving us that uh, crazy MLB top 10 list that was so fan, fan-oriented by putting the Dodgers at number one and hurt. I want to thank Tony Mainville <laughs> as well. For the Beast of the East, John Perriente. It's John Schiavone, the Mouth of the South. This is Downtown Sports. This is the first of two full episodes this week. But for right now, we out. Bye.